You know when you finish a truly great book and think, authors are amazing. Where do they get their ideas from? How do they get those ideas onto paper? It must be so much work. The same goes for games and the designers who create them. For a game to truly stand out, it must achieve that perfect blend of theme, well-crafted rules, and of course, enjoyment for those that play. Today on the Rook and Pawn cast, we had the chance to talk and play a game with Maddox Schuler, a game designer from Athens' own Keymaster Games. We hear how a game goes from idea to the Rook and Pawns library. It's fascinating and will give you a newfound appreciation for game designers the next time you roll the dice of your favorite game. Quick note, we heard from some of you and we decided to edit our actual gameplay segments down to a more manageable length. We wanted to be sure to still give you a feel for the game, but not as much of us deliberating over cards and boards you can't see. Hope you enjoy the improvement, and if you don't, shoot us an email. Speaking of comments... Thanks to all of you who have rated and reviewed so far. Please keep them coming on iTunes and SoundCloud. And if you do leave a review, be sure to leave the name of your favorite game, and Justin and I will play it in a future podcast. So here we go. Episode 4 of the Rook and Pawncast, Maddox Schuler plays Campy Creatures. Enjoy. Alright, welcome to episode 4 of the Rook and Pawncast with me. Timothy Kelly and Justin Kelly. Justin Kelly. Just no, just kidding. Kelly. It's Justin Bray here, just as well. Justin Bray, just as well. Just as well, Justin Bray. I like that. Justin. Here I am. I've been working on that all week. I know. That's <laughs> a, I like that. That's your new little catchphrase intro. We 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 still work on the outro, but that uh, that's a, that's a keeper. It got you there, but then you didn't leave on time, so it stayed and lingered. It exactly. Overstated welcome. <laughs> so four. We are. We're four in. This is like we're already podcast royalty. I've run out of uh, content. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's, it's limitless. Limitless content. Endless content. Have you been stopped on the street yet? Are legions of fans? Only once somebody stopped me and said, hey, aren't you that guy? And then realized I wasn't whoever oh, it was they were looking oh, for. Um, and I said, oh, yes, of my Rook and Podcast fame. He yeah. said, I have no idea what that is. Even with that shirt, they uh, asked me about my podcast shirt that you were on. I, I did. Yeah, I was wearing that as well. Yeah. It's such a real shame. That and still, he refuses to ask. He said. <laughs> Well, um, four in. I thought it's going well so far. I, um, I'm still uh, threatening to start a whole new podcast with just the JP's book of rad and awesome ideas. Um, and so we just take one page each day and learn how he would recast um, every movie he's ever Star seen. Trek or um, yeah. I think Rest it's pretty Park. similar to the old adage of uh, putting like a thousand chimpanzees in a room and they'll write a book. <laughs> but if you put one JP in a room with a microphone, yeah. He'll make a, a true masterpiece. Yeah, except everything has Zac Efron and Tom Dolan <laughs> in it. Um, so <laughs> that, that, that'll be our next podcast in the, the Rook and Pawn production family uh, podcast. Yeah. yeah. So what's up this week? Anything new? What's happened to you, Justin? Um, I am uh, chugging on along to uh, I'm finishing planning the anniversary weekend for Creature Comforts. That's right. the biggest thing that's happening next weekend, which by the time this podcast come out, can't, comes out, I think it'll be this weekend, right. um, the 22nd and 23rd of April. And so I'm ready for it to be over. It's all ready to go. It's all planned. And I'm just ready for it to be over. Should, so it, should anybody come things. to this or should nobody come? I think everyone should come. Okay. Absolutely. I was going to make a joke about that one, but I was like, you know what? You should come to this. <laughs> everyone <laughs> well, should come to this. Why should we come? Um, we're going to have every beer we've pretty much ever made on tab. Every beer. And you may say to yourself, but how can I try all those beers with only six tabs? Well, there's going to be nine tabs. There's going to be a bunch of music, a bunch of food vendors, 
bunch of guest appearances. Whoa. I don't really know about that one. <laughs> but uh, I can't guarantee there will be any VIPs of any sort. Uh, but I assume so. Okay. <laughs> but it should be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great big two-day festival. And right uh, downstairs is going to be the PondCon. Right, on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. That'll be fun. Uh, so you can uh, mix and mingle and come on down to mm-hmm. PondCon mm-hmm. and shop and try to win a car. Yeah, I'm going to try You to can drink all day and then try to win a car. <laughs> But so yeah, that'll be fun. So guest appearances, um, Ariana Grande, will she be there? I can't guarantee it, but we have been speaking with her people. Okay. Um, they haven't. They they have really haven't given me much okay. either way. All right. Well, I'm not coming if she's not there. <laughs> That's pretty much my rule for any large. Event. Anna's niece will be there. Her name is Ariana. Okay. That's is that close enough? For That's you? fine. Is that yeah. not real on the way? There has to be uh, at, least at least one point zero. Ariana's. I gotta meet my Ariana quota. Yeah. Uh, Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, My big news of the day is that uh, I woke up and I've already been um, uh, scalded by an elementary school teacher. Scalded Scalded? or scalded? Scalded. I was scalded. (laughs) Very hot. A vat of hot oil. Hot glue. (laughs) Scalded. 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 Yeah, I hope so. Uh, I walked into, uh, I was dropping off my son uh, to kindergarten, and we walked into the classroom backwards. Because it was walk backwards day. Makes sense. And uh, we had to turn around and walk in the proper way and not, uh, not like, disruptive, oh. yeah, something, yeah. yeah. I know what, that, what that's like because Anna talks about that all the time, about how you kind of come in the door the right way. Right, that's... Uh, yeah, or else she gets very There's a special term that was used about, yeah, proper door yeah. entrance, yeah. She will usually lead it up with things like, is that how you walk into my classroom? Yeah. And she'll sometimes, when I walk into the door to come see her, she'll do the same to me. Okay, <laughs> see, so you've been scalded. I've as been well. scalded, yeah. I've been scalded and scolded <laughs> by a teacher in my life. I know, so it was like seven seven thirty five in the morning, and I'd already, yeah, I've already been scalded by a teacher. I'd say it's going to be a good day if you already got it out of the way now. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah, again, once a day. Ariana's at every event, teachers <laughs> yelling scolding. at me every day. Yeah, that's, that's my guarantee. Anything else? Anything else this week besides just work, work, work? That's my life right now, unfortunately. I'm ready yeah. for to do something fun. I'm looking forward to a big vacation in June. Um, Where are you going? Uh, I don't Somewhere in Florida with Anna's family. Wow. I also have my uncle's wedding this weekend. So my uncle, he married a Polish woman. She is my age. <laughs> okay. He is twice my age. Okay. Uh, but he's like a bodybuilder and a fitness instructor. And so they have a lot in common. So I didn't question it. It's totally fine. Uh, but they got married like a year ago. And now they're uh, having their wedding this weekend. Okay. And so I'm excited to see what's in store for us. <laughs> Meeting her Polish family that doesn't speak English and oh, yeah. seeing all the fun stuff. Uh, but it should be a good time. I like hanging out with my family and all, but I, and I don't get to see them often. And uh, my Polish aunt will be there. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> that we like to talk about. Will there be little children speaking Polish? That's always kind of strange to see really little children so. speaking in like Eastern European languages. I would or... really like for that to happen. Yeah. I'm not sure what to expect. I know they're, they're also very religious. I'm not sure... I assume they're they're either Catholic or like very Eastern Orthodox Protestant of some sort, and I'm, you know, I'm excited to see what that brings into the wedding as well. Right. Yeah. Where is this wedding? Uh, it's in Atlanta. Uh, can, Atlanta. Can we go? Sure. Okay. Please, can you give me the address and be specific? I, what's funny about it is, uh, my family is organized to an extent, and it's like they keep all of the plans and all of the uh, the tentative. Uh, schedule and everything in their own heads and so I know nothing about this wedding when I asked my mother hey where is the wedding what time is it happening is there a registry all the things you'd ask for a normal wedding my mom said just meet us at the house well you can follow us there 
Awesome. Cool. Maybe this it's not a wedding great. at all. Maybe it's a big surprise. They're going to take you to Chuck E. Cheese. Maybe I'll finally get to go to Disney World, oh, which I've never yeah. been to. Ever? Yeah. No. I've only been once, and it was when I was like 25, and I went with, with Carrie. Yeah. I would like to go as an adult to drink around the world at Epcot. Oh, cool. okay, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, my uh, Growing up in Maryland, Disney World was kind of a, a trip, so my parents always told me they would take me to Hershey Park in Ooh. Hershey, Pennsylvania, <laughs> which was you know just a theme park, and they sell a lot of chocolate. And so they would promise all the time that we would go, and they never took me. You know, uh, my Hershey Park growing up was Ruby Falls. Have you uh, ever been to Ruby Falls? Yes. In North Georgia? Yeah, it's in North Georgia, like on the, yeah. the border of Tennessee. And, uh, it's you near go, Helen. Yeah. yeah, it's near yeah. Helen and everything. And you go, and as a child, like I remember it being this extra- extravagant adventure. It was huge and awesome, and it was like, you go into the cave, and then there's like a big waterfall, and it's Ruby Falls. Right. And they light it up all red, and it's like, wow. But I went as an adult, and it's like a trickle, <laughs> and yeah. the, the journey into the cave is a lot shorter than I remembered it being. Right. Well, at least so. you got to go. Yeah, at least I got to go. You went to Hershey Park. No, I didn't. They never. No, took you, me. I thought you said you did. I thought no, you were saying you went to Hershey said Park. They were taking you didn't me, and go they to Disney World. Yeah. Oh, okay. They never took me. That's to a lot worse. I'm sorry. And then I asked I, I, later on. I asked my mom why they never took me, and she said because I didn't want to go, and that was it. That that's was, fair. Yeah. So that's my. I mean, I don't really want to go to Disney World. At least either, she's so. honest with you. So I, I, that's why I keep pushing, and so Luke and Bruce will ask. I want to go to Disney World. I'm like, no, I don't want to go. So hopefully that'll not scar them <laughs> Just forever. Keep that going. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we got some new games in this week. New games, new games. Da, 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 da. First up um, is New York Slice. We have it here on the table. Uh, and so it's worth talking about. If well, I haven't played it yet, I'm going to move this here. Uh, you can't see what I'm doing, but I'm grabbing the box. Oh, yeah. You can hear it here. And so, Justin, you'll see, um, it's New York Slice, and the box is in the shape of an actual pizza box. It opens up sort of the top like a big Papa John's pizza, and the game board and the pieces are nothing but big slices of pizza that you form. Um, You take turns eating or saving slices according to today's special board, and you score points um, by how well you sort of manage your pizza hand. I think um, it's a nice touch that they put Papa John's face on every slice. <laughs> I know. And it's really nice of them. But he's like sneering at you. It's sort of, <laughs> it's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> so what do you think? Do you like these, uh, you like these components? We're, we're I think um, the, it's, this is from Beezier, Beezier Games who made Suburbia, Castles of Magic yeah, yeah. Ludwig. They made uh, America, which I talked about a couple episodes ago. It was one mm-hmm. of our underappreciated games. Um, so they make a lot of cool stuff. It was really just kind of worth talking about. It's it's just worth seeing for the components and the way the box looks. And it's, it's made, really I think the components are made by Panda. An actual uh, panda. Yeah, who no. I think um, <laughs> we're going to learn more about maybe in, in just a few minutes when we speak with our guest. Uh, I guess I'm finding out that I like really the cool way stuff. they manufacture cans. I know. It's because the, I, I like all the stuff from uh, local game developers. Right. Um, so New York Slice, it's, it's for up to six people, and it takes just about... 30 minutes to play, so that one looks like it could be a winner. People have already um, at least just pulled it off to look at it, and hopefully we'll get some more feedback once more people play it. Uh, another new game in is Vast. Uh, Vast, the Crystal Caverns, I believe it's called. Mm, That's a little bit meatier of a game. Um, it's uh, probably about one to two hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also plays um, up to six people, and this one is sort of a dungeon crawling kind of game where um, uh, the, but what's unique about this one is typically in these dungeon crawlers, they call them, where um, you would have like a, a team of knights and paladins and wizards and mages and that kind of thing. 
that go into a cave and explore and get treasure and fight monsters and try to make it out alive with the most loot. Yeah. But in this game, somebody is a knight and somebody is a wizard, but somebody is also the goblins and somebody is the dragon and somebody is the cave itself. And so the, the cave can morph and switch and, you can you know add things to different rooms, and so the cave is trying to kill the knight. The knight is trying to kill the, the dragon. The dragon yeah. is trying to eat the wizard. The goblins are trying to make it out of the cave. And mm-hmm. so everyone has these asymmetric kind of goals. That's really cool. Uh, and so it was um, a big success again on Kickstarter, maybe about a year ago. And I've heard really good things about it. Again, it just came in about a day or two ago, so I haven't had a chance to play it. I know a group did on Wednesday. And I've asked for their feedback. Um, I'll let you know. But those are the two new ones um, in this week. Vast, Crystal Caverns, and New York Slice. Both look pretty cool. We have a couple more in that we'll talk about maybe in the weeks to come. Yeah, absolutely. That came in as well. But um, those are worth checking out. So that's what's new uh, in in the Rook and Pond. Do we have any... Uh, we talked about PondCon coming up. you want to talk about PondCon a little bit? or do you? No. Okay, fine. That's good. <laughs> Moving on. No, uh, yes, I do, actually. Um <clears throat> PonCon, it will be Sunday, April 23rd. This is our first PonCon of 2017. It's an event that we've been doing pretty much since we started uh, two years ago. It's just a fun little Sunday afternoon. We um, block off at least a portion of the parking lot, um, set up some tents, we demo some games. We usually collaborate with either a local business or a local nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the past, we've worked with Avid Bookshop and Mr. Comic Shop and local artists like um, Kevin and Megan Stipek yep. and Mike Groves and Kendra Stout and some others and JP. Uh, this edition, we are going to be working with extra special people out of Watkinsville who will be um, on hand with a 2017 Ford Mustang Ooh. that they are raffling away. So... The raffle will occur in May, but they'll be um, selling tickets, and you can come take a look at the car. Uh, they'll be selling selling tickets in the lot on Sunday. We'll be out there with games, um, and we'll um, typically sell. Uh, we'll have some canned beers and lemonades and that kind of thing for people to purchase and kind of walk around and, and mill about while they play and, and shop. Because also, um, Carrie Kelly, who you heard a couple episodes ago, will be um, holding a what she's calling the Roll Again pop-up shop, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. where she'll be selling a lot of used board games that we pulled from off the shelf that just um, either just don't get enough love here at the cafe, so hopefully we'll try to find some good homes for them. Or sometimes they have been well-loved, too well-loved, <laughs> and are no longer s- suitable to um, the high traffic of, a, of the cafe, but are perfectly fine to play um, at home. So there's some really good deals and some really cool games. Um, she's also going to be selling some of our old furniture that we can't use anymore, <laughs> some of the old chairs and that kind of thing that uh, just don't work, along with um, a lot of other stuff, just various um, odds and ends. Uh, it's it's so. fun to come in here and see what things have been beat up in the past week. Like <laughs> this chair right in front of us here, the arm has been punched off. It I seems know. just completely punched off. I know. There was these uh, these old chairs that Carrie finds, and she has such high hopes that they're going to last for ages, and then they just fall apart instantaneously. But uh, so that'll be that'll be Sunday the twenty third, and that'll be a really good time. And as we said before, you can kind of wander around the PonCon and then walk up to Creature Comforts Anniversary. Yeah, come on by. Yeah. Speaking of drinks and PonCons and bar. Um, the story I kind of wanted to talk about for this episode was my adventures learning 
how to um, run the bar, uh, sort of, <laughs> and the misadventures of trying to figure out the difference between espressos and cappuccinos and lattes, uh, and then all the cocktails and that kind of thing. So, Justin, talk a little bit about your experience um, bartending as a barista, and I guess more importantly, how you go about training people to be able to manage all of those different those different things. That's a big question to answer. Just do it like in 20 seconds. 20 seconds. That's not enough time. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. Like I, I really enjoy training. I like teaching people. I like coaching people in, um, but in non-traditional ways, like not a classroom. And so teaching people about, uh, beer and wine and coffee and board games. And it's like a big, just a molding of all the things I really love. And so it's always been really fun to teach people, but our space is very unique here because it is so small uh, behind the bar. It's like the ratio of bar space to people that you can have in this place and then serve is a bit wonky. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it can be hard to teach somebody if they don't um, already know what they're getting themselves into. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, and just kind of uh, kind of coaxing them along and, and teaching them that it's not, you, you can take your time and you need to take your time because a lot of things we do here are um, a bit bigger than... Um, you know, like the, the college bars, for instance. And so we, we have a, a really intense menu, I think. Um, all of the cocktails are, are fairly um, complex, you yeah. know, to an extent. And so that can be hard to teach. But it's it's just, you know, working people along and making sure they know that it's okay. Just like we do on the other side of the counter with customers. Making sure that they know uh, all this is accessible and we're here to help and to catch you when you fall, sort of, so to speak. So that was the kind of mentality I would go into it with. And then... Uh, just making sure we were using all of the tools that we've put behind the bar. Um, and then Kyle was really more into the, the coffee kind of stuff because Kyle comes from a coffee background, of course, and I come from a bar background. So right. it was a good melding of, of the two. Had you done coffee before? I had done it very limited uh, yeah. when I worked at Mom's Boy. Okay. And so it wasn't like, it wasn't to this extent at all. It wasn't like coffee shop levels. Like I made right. you an espresso and I foamed some milk on top. Yeah. And that was it. But here it's like we're going to really do it correctly at the right temperature and we're going to do our best to make it you know as presentable as possible that sort of thing it's a lot more complex than i had been accustomed to before right yeah yeah the, the coffee uh i i barely even scratched the surface on on like the real cocktails i can make any drink that had all of the ingredients in the name <laughs> rum and coke yes gin and tonic <laughs> splash of lime or, yes yeah, yeah so okay i can do that yeah absolutely but if it was like manhattan i'm like i don't know yeah <laughs> that's kind of the fun thing about bartending is like there's so many drinks out there and some of them have variations depending on like regions like if you go down to the royal peasant i'm sure they have different drinks that they would make there that right. they make nowhere else in the world right and right. uh and some people just assume that those are made you know could you make me a you know a, a dead turtle like i have no <laughs> idea what that is right. you have to tell me what's in that drink i was yeah I, w- I would use my phone quite a bit i would say yeah. yeah excuse me one second and i would go to the back and then frantically google yeah and that's totally yeah. fine yeah. that's that's part of it um but the coffee was a little bit the same way because uh, there are so many different variations on mm-hmm. steaming the milk and this is all this is foam low foam high foam only foam no foam and so that was hard to learn as well. I, I think it's just, you, you just kind of look, when you go to the coffee shop, you don't even think about um, just the volume of people mm-hmm. that come through and all the different requests and having to know all that. I, I, I really developed a, a very new, a, not newfound, but you know, a strong appreciation for all the work that yeah, you know, the people do behind respect. counters. Exactly, yeah. yeah. There's um, a lot that goes into it. People don't understand, don't realize anyway. I don't think I made too many you know, gigantic errors. The one that I can recall from that I was, I guess, most ashamed of 
is <laughs> the person asked for a chai latte, uh-huh, uh-huh. which I don't never drink chai yeah. at all. So I, mean, I was aware of its existence, but you weren't sure what it was until right. So it's a chai latte. And then for some reason, I think I had either Kyle or somebody had told me about a dirty chai latte. Yes. So I had that in my head mm-hmm. as that's what a chai latte was. So I made this like, you know, big coffee drink with like tons of espresso. And then I threw chai in there and put some milk in and I gave it to him. But then only to find later that it's just supposed to be like tea. Yeah. yeah it's, supposed to be, it's typically a tea latte. And so I just like loaded this poor girl up with like, you know, four shots of coffee. espresso. <laughs> and a big You're like dirty shot. chat. You thought it was like uh, like a dirty martini? Yeah. It's like, how dirty do you want it? Oh, it's got, yeah, it's got like seven shots of espresso. <sighs> So I, yeah, she was probably, um, you know, pretty, pretty pumped the rest of the day. Yeah. I believe um, it. And so, but overall, I think I, I think I handled myself all right. But speaking of the shots very quickly of espresso, mm-hmm. call to mind another of my favorite coffee shop stories where, uh, when I was, um, working at the university, I would go to Jittery Joe's every day, mm-hmm. uh, before I went into work, um, and developed a pretty good you know, rapport with one of the baristas there. And so I would, um, get an Americano and he had um, started slowly adding extra shots of espresso <laughs> into my Americano. Just perform a, a, a wretched experiment. It was a little bit of an experiment. <laughs> and so he, I would come in and he'd say, oh, how was that Americano yesterday? He's like, oh, it's kind of strong. He's like, yeah, there's like five shots of espresso in there. And he got all the way up to like kill you. eight shots. <laughs> um, and he, he's eventually yes he said he had to stop because he was he feared that i might go into cardiac arrest and that the joke Your might heart have gone was too far explode. yeah um so rest assured we don't do anything like that i found it very funny but um yeah not everyone would not everyone would all right well uh i think we're ready i'm 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 kind of bored of talking to you justin so Perfect. Let's, um, let's let's play some games thankfully we have a accomplished game designer here with us maddox schuler from keymaster games athens own maddox schuler Hello, hello. Hello, Maddox. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. How about you guys? Excellent. So Wonderful. what are we going to play today? Uh, yeah, so we're going to play Campy Creatures. Uh, it's a game that we just kickstarted a couple months ago, um, so it'll be out later this year in August. But in the game, uh, you are mad scientists. We're all mad scientists. We're trying to capture mortals for our future experiments, uh, but we don't want to do the dirty work. So we have our hand of creatures um, that we're going to play to try to capture mortals. So the way the game works, depending on how many players there are, the mortals will come out each turn equal to the number of players. So in this case, there's three of us. So three mortals will come out every turn, and they're worth different amounts of points. The, uh, some are worth positive, like the damsel. She's one of the best. She's worth six points. Some are worth negative, like the... Uh, the deep sea divers negative one points. It goes all the way to negative three points, and then there's some set collection too. So like teenagers, they're worthless on their own, of course. <laughs> but uh, if you collect the most of them, then you score seven points, so they can be valuable. So yeah, so that's the way. That's whoever has the most points at the end of the game wins. So we can we're gonna play just one round of the game, but in uh, the main game you would play three rounds. Uh, but we all the trick of the game though is we all have the same hand of creatures. We start with perfect information on one another, and so our creatures have different strengths. So the blob is the weakest; it's zero, and then the kaiju is the strongest, and it's eight. Uh, and so whoever has the highest creature gets to pick first from the mortals that are coming out each night. Whoever has the weakest is going to get last pick. But there's some abilities that can throw things in uh, the mix that kind of shift who collects first. So, 
That's the way the game works. It's pretty simple. You just lay a card face down. We're all going to do that at the same time and then reveal. And whoever has the highest gets to pick from the mortals that are out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last thing is the Clashometer. Uh, this is a tiebreaker. So if we play the same creature, currently Justin is highest, Tim is second highest, and I'm last in the Clashometer. So it, it just helps break ties. If Justin and I played the same creature, Justin would uh, get to pick first or activate his creature first. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that turn, he would move to the bottom of the Clashometer, and we'd all shift. And that just rotates every yeah. every turn. Okay. Uh, not every turn, just whenever a tie is broken. Okay. Gotcha. It rotates down. So it kind of I mean you're playing around that. So the heart of the game is out guessing. The other mad scientists Sweet. and what you think. Like Could it, you huh? consider yourself to be really good at this game? Uh, <laughs> Since you know, you've made like it and you've been testing it forever. The tricky part about it is, is it changes like every time you play because yeah. you're playing your opponents more so than you're playing the game. Yeah, which I really like. So they're like a meta can develop out of that, and you know, Kyle and I in testing, you know, he'd do one thing one time and then the next time do a completely different thing. Gotcha. So like you can you can play. It's almost like that pick your poison type of thing of like you know. You put the poison in my glass, or did you, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. just trying to read your opponent, so uh, that's the way it works. There is some strategy, for sure, because it's not all just, like, straight-up rock, paper, scissors, but right? that's... And so the artwork on these cards uh, is amazing. I know you can't see this out there in the, in the podcast world, but uh, it's got this, for each of the monsters, we have the swamp creature, the blob, the beast, the invisible man, werewolf, invader, kaiju, um, vampire, mummy... Um, it's got this like really great, almost like you know, 1950s pulp like movie poster kind of style to it. Uh, like it looks like it's um, you know straight out of like a sci-fi uh, movies from the 50s or 60s, and it's really great stylistic artwork. Yeah, thank you guys. Uh, Josh Emrick, he's out in Indianapolis. He'll be at Gen Con Sweet. this year signing some posters because he uh, made posters of all the artwork and whatnot. We decided to work with him because we had found his stuff online and was just like, gosh, it's so good. Yeah. Um, so he, he did all the art. Although in the first game control, Kyle and I just did all the art on that one. Right, which is also great. Which has been great to have you guys have here. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we're going to start the first round. I'll kind of talk us through what's all happening and the things that are coming out. So, three mortals are going to come out. The first one is teenagers. There's two teenagers on this card. Uh, whoever has the most gets seven points. Whoever has second most gets four points on those at the end of the, uh, the round. The next thing is the engineer. So these are kind of like Ghostbusters. You know, mm-hmm. you got to get the electric current right. If you get an odd number of them, you're going to get negative two points. If you get an even number, you get three. So you get one, it's going to be negative two. But if you get two, they're both worth three, so you get six points. Gotcha. But then if you get three, they're back to odd. You right, know, it's right. not good. And then the damsel's out, and she's just worth a straight-up six points. Okay. So we're trying to... I mean, there you could, you know, have potential good come out of this engineer. There's not really a bad option here. They could be bad, but, like, right now, there's nothing, like, straight-up bad. Okay. So we're playing for one of these mortals. Yes. Or unless your or card maybe, says Or maybe, yeah, your card... So some cards, the way it works, you know, the strongest card, eight, doesn't have any ability... The Beast, who's a huge gorilla, yeah. uh, he's seven. He's second highest. But you're going to score points if you don't play him. So if you have him at the end of the round. Um, the Vampire drains the ability, so it uh, negates the ability of the creature to its left. The Werewolf forces another player to discard a card. This is what that one card that mm-hmm. was. Yeah, the Invader allows you to capture two mortals. So that's the only only card that allows that. But um, okay. we're just going to capture one unless the card tells us otherwise. Okay. Sorry, I think I'm ready. I've placed my creature into the mix. 
All right, so we've all placed our cards on the table. Now we're going to flip over. All right. Ooh. Oh, okay. You so, thought, so. I know. What happened was uh, Justin played the vampire, so that Ooh. drains the ability of his creature to the left, Ooh, which, um, is which is Tim, mummy. and it's the mummy. But unfortunately, the way the mummy works mm-hmm. is he would capture first if there, were, if there was a kaiju in play, but there's no kaiju here. Uh, and then I'm going to force the player to my right to discard a card. So the way you just resolve things is um, Justin's going to capture first. So okay. he gets first pick of is these. Is that because I'm on the Clashometer time? No, because you have the highest number. Gotcha. So you're a six. Okay. I'm a five, and then Tim's a three. So you capture first because you're highest, and then I'm going to capture, and then Tim will capture. So the way the teenager works again, I would be, how, how does this card work one more time? Uh, whoever has the most at the end. So like Maki and Sushigo, mm-hmm. there's a different number on each card. There's one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. So if you ended up with three teenagers and I had two teenagers, gotcha. you would get seven, seven points. I would get four, four points. He'd get no points. So this is most likely going to be a point value for you. Gotcha. But that's straight up six points. Yeah, that's that's the only thing. Yeah, the damsel is a is a surefire six points. So yep. I want to take that card. Um, so I've been forced to discard one of my cards. I will discard the blob. Correct. And I'm just going to take and uh, I'm the left teenagers with the engineer. Yes. So I now have negative two points. So once you play a card, it remains face up in front of us, uh, so we can kind of know what each other is that played. That's going to be the next question. If that's um, uh, public knowledge. Yeah, it's all public knowledge, and then. Uh, what's come out now is just three archaeologists. They're all worth two points. Nothing. So this is a nice spread, but that means there's going to be some pretty bad spreads c- mm. coming down the road if a lot of good cards are coming out. Okay. But yeah, so the way the game works is once we all reveal, whoever has the highest strength captures first, then the next highest, and then the next highest, yeah. and their abilities activate along the way. But a few creatures activate right before capture happens, so they have like an immediate ability. Okay. All right. Uh, Flip them. Boom. Oh, that's what I thought. So, Justin played a five. He's the werewolf, Uh and he's going to force me to discard a creature in my hand. So he's going to go first, and he gets to choose. So I want to choose one of those archaeologists. Uh, And then (laughs) I played my invader. So the invader's a four, um, and I get to capture two mortals. So Stinks for Tim. Nothing left over. Yeah, there's nothing left. For Tim. So I played the Invisible Man, which is just worth a two. He's a two, and but it allows me to discard a mortal I've captured, so I'm going to discard the Engineer. Yep. Next. So I'm back to zero points. You're doing it, Tim. <laughs> oh, there's, but the, there's the other one. one. <laughs> nice to have. So the new mortals oh. are the Hunter, the Engineer, and the Archaeologist. <laughs> the Hunter's worth a negative three. He's the worst. Uh, and then another Archaeologist worth two points, and another Engineer. So Alrighty, already. That means, so the way the game works is uh, there's, in this three-player mode, there's, I believe, three engineers, but there's one card that's not going to come out each night. You know, like every round, there's one card that's left over. So it could be that card. So there's not a guaranteed another engineer coming out. Gotcha. So you could snag that engineer, but you might not see the second one making it even to give you three points. It'll just be left with a negative two. And... Wisely, I discarded my engineer. Tim has shot himself in the foot. (laughs) (laughs) This is a tough one. So there's only one positive point value out on the table. I mean, it's good odds that another engineer could come out, so... Okay, well, let's just try this. All right. Okay. Oh! Oh, (laughs) I did it. So I played the vampire, worth six. Maddox played the mummy at three. And Justin played the swamp creature, worth one. one. Um, the swamp so, creature's ability triggers if a kaiju is played. Or the mummy. Oh, I'm sorry, the mummy. The but mummy. the swamp creature's ability is he gets to give a mortal 
to any player. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so two of these cards, in my opinion, were bad, and so I want to give one of them to one of you guys because okay. sharing is caring. But I drain the ability... Of the person to your left, right? Left, left. Yeah. Right, okay, gotcha. Okay, so I've drained I should have played ability. the vampires. <laughs> <laughs> so I get to choose the archaeologist, which yep, I you go first. Back on the board. I, I go second, of course, I'm getting this. And then I'm going to take that hunter and give it to Maddox oh, thank for you a so negative much. three points. You know. <laughs> <laughs> there are ways to get rid of it, though. Yes. Uh, which is nice. You still have your blobs. So oh, you look at that. Another engineer. Another engineer. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a deep sea diver, negative one, another teenager, and the engineer is back. So currently I have the most teenagers. <laughs> I have two. Okay. <laughs> what a time. What a time. I don't like any of these cards right now. <laughs> I'm at the point now where like nothing's guaranteed. That's right. <laughs> Everything's up. Okay. All right. All right. So it. we all reveal. Ooh. I got a four. Oh, oh that's, feel, that's good for me. I like that. Okay. Yeah, so Justin played the Invisible Man, so he's going to get to capture uh, two mortals because he's a four. I do want this, these teenagers. Yep. Give me those teens. And, um, and we've played two engineers. Tim correct. has an engineer. I discarded. You discarded one. You picked up the other one? Yeah. Okay. So there's not going to be another one. Can I steal one. those? I can't steal them, can I? No I'd rather stealing. have this deep sea diver. Yeah, the negative one is okay. much better. I played the Invisible Man... So I get to discard any mortal. So I'm going to discard this hunter uh, yes. I captured Very and good. capture this. Tim played the swamp creature, which the lowly one, which he gets to give uh, a card to another player. But there's, there's no mortals left. Nothing left <laughs> to give. So I... Ooh, another negative three. Oh, two negative three. Spread threes. is terrible. So four so two hunters worth negative three, yeah. and good. the cosmonaut who's worth a solid so four. Points. Here's something to think about. We've each played our mummies, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so he feels safe to play his kaiju. And he's at the top of the the clashometer, so there's like he's gonna win all ties if we all play kaiju. Feels good. Uh, yes, it does. Um, but I still have my swamp creature, um, and he not, might not want to waste his kaiju, knowing that he could underplay us because we think that he's going to play the highest card. Mm. We you know we might underplay. Gotcha. So he might be able to save his kaiju still by knowing that we won't play a kaiju. But then, so it's, that's yeah. where all the double guessing can come in. Right, right, right. But I think that this is the smart play. That's flipping it. Boom. Oh, he oh, thought, oh, it. He thought, I, I thought that you guys would happen. play that kaiju. <laughs> oh, so Tim played the werewolf at a strength of five. So he gets to capture first, and of course he takes that The cosmonaut, right. And uh, Um, I force uh, Justin to discard a creature. So here's what's going to happen. If you take the three, we're tying for second, and we're going to have to refer to the clashometer for who would get the second most, and then he would... Justin is obviously winning for second most Mm -hmm. right now. Okay. But if Justin gets this, then obviously he gets most. I played my kaiju. We've all played... Oh, no. Oh, so... Blob. So the way the blob works, you get to see what everybody played and then play a card. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm obviously... Going to play your kaiju? <laughs> well, you're clashing and heading to the bottom, so I'm just going to play this, and that'll be fine. The way the blob works is you become the strength of the creature. You don't get its ability, so okay. I became a six. So um, so you get to capture first, because okay. you're highest. I'm going to take these teens. Yep. Um, now, you get to capture second. All right, so I'll take the Cosmonaut, worth four. And then I capture third, and I get a negative one. Okay. Um, not a great time to blob. But now, at the end of that turn, Justin would move to the bottom because he captured first in the tie. Gotcha. Um, and what was left over was a lowly one teenager. One teenager. But, so that's the end um, of the round. That's the end of the round, round, and now we would total up our points. So... Um, we all, none of us played our beasts, which is we, good. So we all get three so points So the beast ability is if you don't use him at the end of the round, you score three points. Yep. Okay. I got 
So uh, I was left with uh, 8, 10, 7. I had 10 points total. I had Sweet. 16. So I had 3, 9, 10, 11. Are these both worth 7? No, They're just for together. total. Yeah. So 15, right? 15, 3, uh, 18, and then negative 4 is 14. 14. 16, 14, 10. So Maddox. I knew Maddox would win. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No. This game's <laughs> engineers this game's win. <laughs> just makes games so we can win them. Yeah. So that's great. So you would play, um, so th- you know, even with learning, um, playing our first round only took about what you know ten to fifteen minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we played two more rounds, which would you know maybe take five to ten minutes each. Um, so you know you're talking about twenty minutes you know total. And yeah. then once you get once you get really good, I'm sure yeah, you're, you're playing a lot faster than that. Yeah. So it's very quick to learn, very light, but uh, has that depth of strategy, especially when you start you know knowing the players you're playing against and trying to deduce six moves down the line what, they, yeah, what they're what trying to do. do trying to second triple you know quadruple guess out you know second guess yourself yeah um well that's great um we'll talk more about it in just a second we are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more maddox schuler and campy creatures all right we are here with katie America's favorite Rook and Pond Friday morning barista. Oh my god, that's such a specific nickname. Thank you. <laughs> As voted on by America. Oh wow. Yeah. Thanks. So last week we talked coffee. This week it's Friday, so let's talk about cocktails. Certainly. So we have some special cocktails. Well, it's our seasonal cocktail menu, uh, but we are here to talk to you about your, let's say your favorite cocktail on the menu right now. I think it is a tie between the giggle water uh, and our seven-mile spanking machine. <laughs> so these references, the Pinnix giggle water is... That is a Harry Potter reference okay. um, to an American wizarding alcoholic beverage. And the giggle water is a SpongeBob reference. We take great pride in our drink puns and right. joke. Um, so what's in the giggle water? That is a tequila-based drink. Um, I'm normally not a huge tequila drinker, but this drink is really good. Um, the tequila is paired with a local soda that is actually from Athens, um, Nada Soda. We sell their strawberry habanero sodas in bottles, and we use the syrup that goes into that soda for the cocktail. Um, so it it really like pairs nicely with the tequila. Um, and there's also lime juice and some soda water and fresh strawberries in there. It's really Ooh, good. Yeah. It's a very nice, mild, spicy flavor. I like it a lot. And then the spanking machine? That one is super awesome, super delicious, and really easy to make. Uh, we use Old Fourth Vodka and we infuse it in-house with fennel and pineapple. Uh, so that's why it's a Spongebob reference, because uh, he like, lives in a pineapple under, under the sea. The sea right. um, and it's, yeah, it's just that and some ginger beer and it's really refreshing and really delicious huh. so what game would you pair with the giggle water Ooh, hmm. probably like a party game probably like a fun game um i have been really enjoying one of our new games fun employed oh I'd yeah probably... we played fun employed a couple weeks ago <laughs> yeah. yeah i'd probably pair that with it right now fun employed and giggle water that sounds that's a good friday yeah yeah, yeah. well awesome thanks katie yeah We're interviewing. We're back with Maddox Schuler, uh, and let me 
first apologize to Bezier Games, <laughs> not Bezier or however I said it. B e z i e r. It was an honest mistake. Bezier Games makes New York's license suburbia, um, amongst other great titles. So thank you, Maddox, for um, <laughs> so I'll read it. For Maddox's giving, last name is Chulier. Chulier. No, Chulier. <laughs> Um, yes, of the French Chouliers. Um, <laughs> all right, so um, so Camp Creatures was great. I loved it. Um, this is not your um, first title, though. Uh, you um, last year had another great uh, sort of part, not party, but um, an- another great, you know, easy to learn, but um, nice depth of strategy game. Yeah, so we made Control uh, a year almost, a little over a year now ago, uh, where we kickstarted that, um, which we were just like, you know, we just hope this thing can get made. We have been playtesting it. Rook and Pond was super kind to have a bunch of playtest nights here where we got to like figure out mechanics and stuff for the game. Yeah, Kyle and I were just like, we'll just do whatever to get it made, even if we need to pitch in some money at the end of the campaign. But it kind of took off, so that yeah. was crazy to see. And we were like, we want to make more games because it's so much more fun. So, so Kyle is your partner? Yeah, Kyle Key is my partner in Keymaster Games, obviously the key coming from there. And it was more of Kyle's vision of wanting to make a board game company. And I had met him, and he had started making some games, and I kind of caught the bug from that of like, oh, you can make the games. This you is could crazy. You can make all the games. Look, someone's got to do it. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. I just didn't think of your you know normal person doing it i guess right and so i was like oh yeah this would, this would be uh, when i was so i'm a graphic designer or type designer technically by trade and so that was what drew me in was a lot of the games some games have beautiful art that are, it's just amazing but some games are kind of just like uh yeah. the mechanics are really fun but this is terrible to look at you right. know? Yeah. and so that was what immediately drew me in i was like i'll design games like i want to make you know all the art and things like that for it but and I'll just do the mechanics. That should be the easy part or whatever. It's like, no way. That was like the way hard part or whatever. Yeah. And the art was like, game so much easier. So, okay. um, yeah, that was what originally drew me in. So Kyle, I, I know just Kyle Key from talking to him, it had a long sort of history with games, right? He grew up playing them. He loved games. Yeah. Um, but how is that? Was that your experience? Did you grow up with games? Did you had you always loved games? Had you always played games, or did you come to it later? Um, I mean, we grew up playing like Monopoly and like your typical games, Yahtzee and stuff like that. But it wasn't like this like hobby board gaming games at all. And it wasn't until like we moved out to Seattle that some of our friends there like were gamers. Yeah. And there's a great gaming culture out there. Yeah. They actually have a place that we would go to, Cafe Mox, which yeah. is similar to the Rook and Pond right. and has um, games you can take off the wall and play. And so that was where we got introduced to a lot of different games and seeing the whole vast world of board games and being right. like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Right. Um, and so that was where more so I caught the bug, I think. Okay. Um, and then moved back to Athens, Georgia from there, and that was when I met Kyle. So when you sit down and you're thinking about you know a new game, you kind of hit on this a little bit, mechanics and art and that kind of thing, but how, how do you, or either you and Kyle or you know, each of you separately, how do you approach the design? Do, like, do you come up with like a mechanic that you really like and then try to put a theme or a skin on it, or do you kind of come up with an idea about a story or a theme and then say, all right, I want to make this mechanic work for it? Yeah, uh, I think I work way more in theme land. Like, there's, you can totally start with mechanics and go, you know, make this really tight game and then put a theme on top that works. For me, I feel like I have more creativity when I'm thinking about a theme. So, like, 
recently I was uh, watching True Detective season one, which yes. is awesome. Yeah. And yes. they mention, you know, the King in Yellow and Carcosa or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, oh, what's going to happen here? I didn't know if that was going to pan out to be this, you know, um, Lovecraftian or whatever sort of thing. But then, you know, going and researching that and going and getting into that book, that old, the old short story collection from Robert, can't remember his last name yeah. right now, but... Uh, it was this idea that this play, when people would watch it, would drive them insane. You know, just crazy. Yeah. Uh, and so it was like, that's always been an intriguing thing to me, that sort of thought of like the black spot or getting marked. And so like now that that idea helped inform a game that I've been trying to mess with or come up with. And like just the idea of looking at a card, if you choose to look at a card and it has that thing that turns you crazy, then right. uh, then you go crazy and you're trying to make the rest of the people at the table crazy. Um, <laughs> I and so, like that idea. <laughs> the, this is where that tincture game is kind of going where you're a bunch of quirky chemists and you're trying to figure out what tinctures, because some can give you good abilities uh, and then others will just drive you crazy if you bottoms up and drink them. Right. Um, but you're also trying to like pass drinks to one another and get people to drink stuff. So right. like it's a simple party game drinking game kind of thing and, yeah uh, that was where that was kind of i was trying to figure out the right sort of mechanic that could fit there and so gotcha. that's where that completely different thing from left field kind of informed that okay um and so i think kyle works in a similar way just being an artist and he watched moana recently yes <laughs> which is awesome yeah, it's and, really good uh, he's been working on a game now that's like basically uh polynesian culture fishing around an island and going out and trying to avoid oh, yeah. the reefs and go out and get fish which isn't really what moana is about but yeah, that, that sort idea. of like seeing that idea kind of like helped him refine. He was first thinking of a deep sea fishing game of like going out and, but it was like, no, this is way better to just have like this island that you're at and just right. like the feel good vibes of that. Um, have you started on a path, like say you had a, a, an idea and then it just like completely morphs into it's, so it's like the thread of the mechanic is still there, but it, say like it's a fishing game and now all of a sudden it becomes like a haunted house game. But yeah. <laughs> Just because the the way it takes you yeah, just yeah. doesn't work, and you decided to, to just completely flip it. Yeah, I think that's one of the things with design or with prototyping and whatnot is kind of like being willing to take let the game go where it needs to go instead of like holding on to this idea of like no, I wanted it to be this or whatever. Right. Um, that was like something that reading Eric Lang or watching an interview of him that he was talking about of just like. Uh, this idea that sometimes the thing that's holding the game back from being what it needs to be is like you're trying to make it what your original vision was and yeah. now like through that prototyping you found something new that might be better and like letting it become that. Um, so I don't think we've had like, currently we're working on a game with an outside designer which has been a really fun process of just uh, developing that out with them and it originally started as a pirate game and is now a space park themed game. So <laughs> yeah, this idea it's that you... It's a pivot. It is a pivot for sure. But you are a... Uh, you know, 1940s, 50s, you know, golden age of sci-fi. What if space travel was invented sooner? Oh, yeah. What would an amusement park in space around a planet <laughs> be like? And you're wanting to go to these different uh, rides on the park to collect these different resources that they give yeah. you and whatnot. So. That tired old theme. Yeah, that tired old theme. <laughs> We've yeah. seen it so many times. <laughs> the old 40s yeah, space adventure theme park. Yeah. Um, so, um, so then once you have the idea, um, uh, you, you know, then you get it into a prototype, yeah. um, um, talk a little bit about, and, and you run, um, play test nights here at the Rook and Pond. Um, how does that, um, process help to kind of shape the game into its final form? 
Yeah, so like the whole prototyping and playtesting is like the most important phase of a game because it's like something can totally make sense in your mind. And when you're starting for a game, it's kind of like piecing together some things that you really like to try to create something new. Some people can kind of totally come up with new mechanics, which is awesome. I'm, I just don't think in that realm yet. I don't think yet. Yeah. I'm still figuring out all the tools available to me. Sure, it makes sense in your mind, but it's really like sitting down with someone and playing it out and seeing the interactions that happen during the game and balancing it. And it's just this long process of playing it again and again and again and all, all the different player count to make sure it works. And so that's what's been really awesome is to have. There's like a bunch of game designers in Athens, you know, that's mm -hmm. pretty cool to see. Uh, some have Kickstarter games, um, and some guys from Atlanta are coming into it now, which is awesome. Uh, Eugene, who won the Hasbro competition, right. comes to it. It's just been an awesome time to kind of get these minds together who think in these realm of things. And game designers will tear your game apart. You know, like your, your casual person might be like, yeah, this is awesome. I'll play this again and again or whatever, because it works for them, but you know. Game designers can just see through, see I don't the, know. See the flaws. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, in, in figuring out when a game's done, because, like, that's the other thing, is game design is sometimes so, like, self... It's self-serving in the sense of, like, I want my game to do this, and this is who it's for. So, like, yes, taking in feedback, but knowing also what right. you want it to be. Yeah. Um, too. Is that, how, how, is that hard to hear, or is it... Are you... Uh, when, say, a, a designer tears into something you've made, um, or is it more... Are you appreciate them, be, their candor, and helping you along? But yeah. I, I think imagine it must be hard to <laughs> at first just hear. At first, it is definitely... Because, like, the, your first ones, I feel like you're babies. They're near and dear to your heart, you know? Mm -hmm. But the more and more you do it, the more it's just like, this is a thing that I love to do, and it's great that, like, you can get that feedback. And it feels less like, oh, you're making this thing better, less like you're right. trying to slam my thing you know it's like it's not my thing it's like a thing that I'm trying to make for people and so that's right yeah yeah at a certain point it gets bigger than you yeah right so now you're past that it, you, you play tested it you, past that we're just all good to, <laughs> you're going to Kickstarter now we don't you, even have to play test things you get <laughs> you get funded and now you've got um, you're almost there um, so talk a little bit about uh, we, we talked about with Beezier Games is New York Slice <laughs> um, Panda made the components for it we were talking about how cool the box looks it's a nice it's very sturdy it's thick the pieces look really cool the, the, um, the artwork is really nice um, and so Panda out of um, China, right, had made yep. the components for that, and you've worked with them as well. Yeah, so they're awesome. Um, they were a company that when we were doing research on, they were continually recommended, mainly Jamie Stegmeier, who does uh, a ton of podcasts or online stuff that really helps with Kickstarter. He uses them for, you know, Scythe, one of the biggest games yeah. this past year. And so it was like, okay, let's start chatting with them. And they're a Vancouver-based company, and they have a bunch of account reps throughout the U.S., and so we basically just talked to our rep, who's awesome, Matt Sims, and he just kind of relays all the information that we're saying over to the team in China, who then, you know, is doing all this stuff. And they're awesome, too, because they're, like, problem-solving, because we have this vision, and sometimes the way that printing works, like with control, there's gold foil on the box. Yeah. Um, but lining that gold foil up perfectly with the words and all that stuff was like a hard task with printing the printing process and how it actually works. Yeah. Um, but they were able to be like, you know, like maybe we should thicken these lines up, which will give us more, you know, grace in the way that it can stamp and and make sure that the lines are, are working when it's over the type. And so, like, just it's been an awesome process. The quality that they've continually produced is what I think draws us back to them. Yeah. Um, as it's seen, they're kind of seen as like a very high quality. Yeah. I mean, you still get a good price for sure. Right. Um, but, you know, they're like 
yeah, I think the components that that's one of those things like you're saying when you, when you first came to design, like, Oh, someone's got to make these games. Um, I, it's just one of those things that I think I took for granted until I really, I made started talking to you and, and talking to different designers, um, and how much thought and effort goes into, you know, the components. And then you, I went back and started looking at, you know, some of the old games and, and really, I, you know, I've always had fun looking at the meeples or the way certain dice are, you know, are made and that kind of thing. But now I pay much more attention to it, knowing how much work and careful, um, review goes into like each little piece, you know, to make sure that it's, you know, perfectly done and all of your stuff and, and the stuff that Panda's done is, is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, there's so many games like Pandemic Legacy. We've been playing uh-huh. that lately. Yeah. And the attention to detail of each of the little boxes and the yeah. stickers and making that all work has just been I know, mesmerizing. Man. Yeah. It really adds a lot, I think, you know, to, to games. I, mm-hmm. I look at some of those old games. Um, now they're old, I, I guess. Um, I, I just think, and it's no, you know, knock on them, but I, I think it was just the, maybe the time but some of the old Mayfair, you know, the Rio Grande kind of games from right around 2000 to 2005, you know, the mechanics are really great. They play really well, but, you know, it's much more yeah. base, basic kind yeah. of in, in the way the components work. And I think, Man, San Juan's like one of my favorite games. Right. And I'm just like, oh, if it could look really good, that would be awesome. Exactly. That was, <laughs> Someone do that, please. Probably the one that I was thinking of. So um, I, think it, I think it really does add a lot. Kickstarter, you guys yep. use Kickstarter to great success so far with both Control and Campy Creatures. Um, how um, how has that process worked for you? Do you like the crowdfunding aspect of it? Um, would do you think it's good for the industry, Kickstarter? Yeah, so I think for us getting started, we're like it has been amazing. We get to you know kind of put our idea out there. And then it, it gets way more in front of so many more people's eyes than even us being able to play test it with a bunch of different people. Because we put the print and play files on there and the game right. gets played like crazy. Um, all the art is getting kind of seen along the way. And so like for us, it's a, a good like shaping, like a refining tool along with marketing. Like it just gets your game out there because some companies that are massive, you know, yeah. like Rising Sun from CMON, they don't need Kickstarter because they would totally sell it as it you know just releasing it but it's a marketing tool for them and it kind of builds a lot of hype and and momentum and so for us i think yes it's a good good marketing of just getting ourselves out there but also this like refining process where for campy we were going to do one thing for the instead of doing like little creeples is what we're calling them creature meeples (laughs) Uh, so you know that kind of came out during the campaign of like people were like oh i think i would rather prefer meeples for this resource versus right uh, we had just uh cardboard stuff going and so that was like really cool to kind of see what it you get to find out what your people want and then right. give it to them if it's uh, if you're able to do something like that and uh, i think we're you know now looking forward i think we're definitely going to still kickstart the majority of our games but we're still looking at the possibility of like what would it be like just to release a game because mm-hmm. a Kickstarter campaign does re- require a ton of work of just mm-hmm. you know getting all the, the materials for the campaign uh, doing the support during the campaign talking to people building yeah. that momentum and so um, we we might be testing uh, what it would be like to just release a game okay. um, down the road, but for the majority of stuff, Kickstarter is awesome too. Well, the support that you mentioned that I, I was going to mention that you guys I, I think have done a phenomenal job at Keymaster with um, during campaigns being responsive to comments and questions, and I think that's gone a long way to you know to to your success. I mean, just watching you guys you just interact on the comment boards or providing updates, I think that's huge, and I think those are the best, especially in the in the board game campaigns. You know. That it's uh, that you have two dedicated and committed designers, and so I think that's been uh, a big part of your success. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, all right. So as we wrap up, let's say you could, um, if you had uh, the pinnacle of your board gaming design, your game design career, would you 
but you've created the perfect game in your mind. Okay. So <laughs> would you want it to be something like say apples to apples? It's like this universally beloved sort of party game, uh, not party game, but just a universally loved game. You can find it at like target and everyone plays it, but maybe on board game geek, it's like, yeah, I don't, you know, the, the, the hobbyists don't love it so much. Or it's like number two ranked on Board Game Geek, but like no one buys it. <laughs> so it's sort of like the the film. Like, it's, do you want like the great work of art that no one sees, Tell or do you want it to be like you know Transformers? <clears throat> yeah, I think. Are you Michael Bay or Terrence Malick? <laughs> I'm Michael Bay. Unfortunately, <laughs> no. I think well, the reason there is like we originally wanted wanted to make games because I think it just brings people together. Yeah, and that's the idea of like if the game. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable releasing just an okay game but at the same time if the game is firing on cylinders on bringing people together like apples to apples does or whatever yeah. and that it's reaching lots of people and providing that sort of just fun space for them yeah then like i'm all for that I i'm, guess. I'm yeah. with you because yeah that's that's what get, that's what gets played here and that's the ones that i like to see people mm-hmm. you know yeah. that's what keeps people coming back in exactly here. <laughs> yeah well thank you so much maddox this was awesome um so control is um, are, is there a reprint coming out? Uh, it's, it's out. It's yeah, out. it's okay. on Amazon, um, and so uh, you can get you can find it there if you're like international and listen to this. You know, yeah. right. <laughs> then you can get it from campycreatures.com. Like okay. uh, that that'd be the cheapest way to get it. As like the Amazon way will cost a lot of shipping wise, but mm-hmm. we're doing a you know when we fulfill Campy, we have more control orders going out, and okay. so that'd be a way to get it. Um, okay. And we'll provide a link to that in show notes. All right. And Campy Creatures has been funded, and I, I think we hear the pre-production copy might be delivered to you. It's here. It's, it's here right, right now. now. Oh, it it's came here. 30 minutes. Yeah, came We're keeping minutes. you from your pre-production copy, so <laughs> go check it out. But um, so, but everyone else can keep an eye out for Campy Creatures maybe yeah. later in the year for... Um, yeah, you can pre-order at campycreatures.com, and there's a bunch of, like posters that have campy you know copy on them cool. you know the blob he's way out of shape or you know, just <laughs> stuff like that it's ridiculous and um, so and then look for additional titles forthcoming from key Master that's games. right yeah. yeah awesome yeah. all right well thanks maddox thank you guys so much all right so we're gonna wrap up here um but before we do we're gonna do one underappreciated game what it is of the week this week justin it is welcome to the dungeon Mm. Yeah, Welcome and to the Dungeon. Have you played Welcome to the Dungeon? We've played Welcome to the Dungeon. We have. Actually. We played yeah. it at PondCon. We, we, we demoed that one. Um, very much um, I, it, in the spirit of something like Control or Camping Creatures, it's, it's a sort of a smaller box mm-hmm. game that you can learn very quickly, but um, it's got um, a really kind of fun uh, interplay with the, with the people that you're playing with. In Welcome to the Dungeon, it's a sort of a bidding um, game where you take the role of, again, it's a dungeon crawler, like, sort of like we were talking about. With Vast, uh, you can be a knight or a wizard, mm-hmm. um, and you're given these uh, little little tiles that represent the equipment that you're going to use to go into the dungeon. Um, in on your turn, you um, can either draw a monster card, and if you do, you can either place that um, in front of you by sacrificing one of your pieces of equipment, or mm-hmm. you put that monster into the dungeon. So as you, as you go around the table, you're populating the dungeon with these monsters. Um, it's like a dungeon farm. You can also pass, and if you, exactly. If you pass, then you're out of the round. Uh-huh. Okay, so you have to sit out and watch everybody else. 
Um, so it's a sort of a press your luck um, because the, as you go around, the dungeon gets you know populated with more and mm-hmm. more and more monsters. It's going to be harder and harder to to go in. Um, if you are the last person that uh, that's standing that hasn't passed, then you must enter the dungeon and fight all the monsters that are in there with whatever <laughs> equipment that you have left. Uh-huh. If you do and you com- you beat all the monsters, you score a certain amount of points. You play two or three rounds, and whoever has the most points at the end wins. And that's yeah. pretty much it. That's that's the whole rules. But as you go around, you start to you know you get to know people's personalities a little bit are they you know are they willing to press their luck a little bit further are they quicker to pass and you have to sort of guess um you know how the other people are going to to bid Mm -hmm. um and so that kind of you know adds that kind of fun element of interactivity with everybody else uh so did you like welcome to the dungeon absolutely yeah i'm I'm a gambling man i would say (laughs) and i really like games where i can uh kind of mess with my my friends in a way that i won't normally be able to you know kind of uh, throw them under the bus, so to speak, or right. into the dungeon. So I like games like that a lot. I yeah. like secret trader games and things like yeah, that. Yeah, so. right, exactly. Um, I like it just in, for the fact that I've just told you all the rules. And yeah, you, can, you can already play, play it. it. Yeah. And there's a sequel too, right? Yes, they're welcome back to the dungeon. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Even more dungeon, I think. Even yeah. more dungeon. Uh, dungeon 2, Electric Boogaloo. Um, <laughs> welcome to the dungeon, the dungeoning. <laughs> so welcome to the dungeon. Um, that is, uh, that's up on our shelf, and it's actually, uh, we have it for sale as well. We have a few games for sale, um, some titles. We have Forbidden Island, uh, code names, and, and Welcome to the Dungeon. Um, it's a really up, I would say, even eight years old and up probably could play that without oh, any, easily. Difficulty, any difficulty. Um, so check that out. We'll also provide a link to that in show notes. Welcome to the Dungeon is our underappreciated game of the week. All right, that's it. Episode four in the books. In the books. In the wraps. That's not, that's not a term. We're throwing this one in the vault. <laughs> this is in the. Or, yep. This is this going in the Disney vault. No one's going to hear it for 17 years. Yeah, but when it does come out, it's going to be yeah. real good. <laughs> Sorry, Maddox, you just wasted your morning. <laughs> All, right. All right, that's episode four. We'll be back uh, next week. Uh, we will provide all the links to all the games we talked about, even Beezier's. Beezier Games is uh, New York Slice. Uh, Keymaster Games is Can't Be Creatures and Control. Uh, Welcome to the Dungeon by Ooh Aiello Yellow Yellow. That's another. <laughs> oh gosh, that's I E L L O I Yellow. It's just yellow. I-E-L-L-O. Okay, so Yellow Games, I believe, does Welcome to the Dungeon. Uh, I will uh, before next episode research how to pronounce every single because I'm not even really sure what it is anymore you've said it a few different ways and I'm lost at this point I'm not even going to say it (laughs) anyway links for all of the above will be in show notes thank you to Maddox Schuler and Justin of course of course and Nicholas Malice uh, providing our theme music every week and we will be back Justin any last words before we fade away nope I'm all good catch you next week see ya (laughs) bye That's it. Thanks to Kyle and Maddox at Keymaster Games, and as always, to Nicholas Malice for creating and playing our theme music. Find Nick performing all around Athens, or at the links provided in our show notes. Next time on the Rook and Podcast, we play games and chat with one of Athens' foremost authorities on, well, everything, and Beyonce, especially Beyonce. All right, see you next time.